welcome back. Um, this is episode 14 of the Woke-ish podcast. This is Ebony. And this is Zelma. Um, yeah, so again, welcome back. We had a um, week off for, and then I guess for those of you that were celebrating the 4th, I um, went to LA to visit my family, which was fun. Um, and Zelma hung out with her family here, yeah. and we just figured that you know, we've given y'all 13 episodes of solid <laughs> content with no breaks in between, and it was time for a breather, but now we're back and we're refreshed. Yes. Um, and actually, this week we're going to start out with something a little bit light, kind of um, more like media, even social media oriented for our um, What's Being Slept On segment. But before we get there, we will start out with our shout out segment. Yes. And so I wanted to shout out. Um, the Resistance Revival Chorus, and so they are a diverse choir of women that sing outside locations where children who were immigrant children who are separated from their parents are being detained, and so they just stand outside with signs and they sing, and they sing different types of songs, and it's supposed to provide some comfort because I don't know if you've been up to date on social media, but like they're not even letting people give toys or people visit or people see any of these children so they're just standing outside uh singing so that the children could at least hear them and they say that this is a way for them to provide some sort of comfort in a way that uses their talent and their motto is joy as an act of resistance and so i thought it was cool because it is kind of you feel kind of helpless into other than just donating money. What can I do? And I thought this was a very creative way, not only to use their talent, but to be able to resist in a way that kind of circumvents the rules of, oh, well, you can't come inside the building. And so definitely wanted to shout out the Resistance Revival Chorus. You can follow them on Instagram and see videos of them actually doing this in front of the detention centers. And so definitely big shout out to them. And then the second shout out is to 22-year-old Janae Seaborn. I might have mispronounced her name. But she became the first black female nanoscientist in Virginia and so I had to look up what a nanoscientist was. <laughs> and apparently a nanoscientist is someone who studies the development and function of the nervous system. And she graduated from Virginia Tech. But I thought what was crazy is she is not only the only black person to earn a science degree at Virginia Tech that year, but she was the only person of color in all her classes. And yeah, and so in by graduating, she became the first black female nanoscientist in Virginia, the whole yeah. state. So definitely shout oh, out. in the whole state. Yeah, in oh, the I whole missed state. No, not just Virginia Tech, but the whole state. Oh, that's crazy. Right? I am so proud of these, all these firsts. Yeah, like, yeah. And geez. she's 22. Yeah, and so shout out to her. Shout out to her family. I'm sure, you know, they're super proud. And she made a post on Instagram and she was just super, you could tell she was super excited and very much well-deserved. And she said she really wanted to thank the you know, the people who were mentoring her, the people who didn't support her, just, you know, it, it's very, it must have been very isolating to be the only person of color in her classes. Oh, God, and the only black, and she, you know, she said that they actually had to look up the fact that she was the only black person to earn a science degree that year and that she was the first um, because people were like, nah, this can't be true. And they looked it up and they were like, oh shit. 
necessary. See, this is why, even though I feel the way I do about academia, this is why it's necessary to have yeah. more, like, you know, people of color in academic spaces. Yeah. So that students can see people that look like them, that they have to look up to, and they can ask, you know, what did that feel like? Yeah. Like, what was that experience like? Yeah. You know, if mentors, mentors are so important. Like, I, I mean, I'm not sure if she had any, but hopefully and if not like that sucks you know someone to be like yo like this is what I'm going through like I am the only one yeah yeah so big shout out to her and shout out again to the revival chorus some positivity um we would like to bring in some positivity in the midst of a lot of negativity that we see yeah yeah okay so now for our in the know segment yeah so we just wanted to talk about the 12 Thai boys and the coach who were rescued from the cave. And so I'm sure you guys have heard about this story because it's been like on the news. Beat to death. <laughs> it's, been, it's been on the news for like a while, like the whole week that they were figuring out. And so just to recap, draw out. And they, four boys emerged at a time. And so what they said is that the weakest. I wonder how they decided who went first. The weakest went first. Okay, the, okay. the weakest uh, in health. Yeah. the ones that went first and then they said if they were able to make it you know it's fucked up they were like if the weakest were able to make it and they felt really strongly about the other people <laughs> I yeah see I, I was like torn because at first when I was hearing that I was like I would have been like just passing out and throwing up like I need to get out of here like I yeah. am the weakest yeah. but then at the same time it's like what if you go out and yeah. the plan is not really all the way flushed yeah. out yeah yeah yeah, so they survived nine days before they were found by drinking water dripping from the cave walls. They were between the ages. Of, I know they were between <laughs> the ages of eleven and seventeen, and they were the members of a of the wild horse soccer team. And so they apparently had entered the cave system in dry weather during an excursion with their coach. So they, they like intentionally went into this cave well, to like, explore it. What kind it. of group outing is that? I don't know. <laughs> Going into a cave? Yeah. Do they not have, like, amusement parks? <laughs> I'm sure they have amusement parks. Like, why do I need to go to a cave? And then the group was cut off because uh, heavy rain started flooding the cave. And it's, like, rain season. So that's why they couldn't leave all those days. And thankfully, some divers found them. But they were, one, surprised that they were able to find them. And two, surprised that they were able to find all of them alive. Yeah, and so crazy. all the boys, along with the coach, were alive, are alive, and they're being reunited with their family. Um, however, one Navy, one Thai Navy SEAL um, rescuer died trying to um, put uh, refill the oxygen tanks. And so I saw that they have held like a, the boys held like a memorial for the Navy diver. And then I saw that a Buddhist temple was holding some ceremony right outside the cave. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, this is kind of similar to the the cave, uh, the people in the cave, or in the mi- the miners in uh, Chile. Mm, and yeah. so, yeah, because, I saw that movie. That movie yeah, and there everyone survived, too. Yeah. So it was just kind of, it was, it, it took, it really took hold of the media because they were all alive, and we really wanted them to. To make it and so just kind of wanted to highlight that story i know by now this story has kind of been you know wrapped up because they've, they've all been rescued and uh they are being reunited with their families but really wanted to just uh point that out because it's i mean they already said 
and there's a lot of jokes about this, that they're already making a movie. They already are in the works to make a movie about it. I'm sure they are. And, like, while it's still fresh in their mind. Because, I mean, this sounds... It's like, you know, yeah, I'm like, we, they've been reporting on this story, like, every second of the day for the last few weeks, but even though that is the case, it's still crazy to think Yeah, yeah. Like, even though I've seen inside this cave, and it's like my eyes are seeing it, but I just cannot imagine. Yeah. And I didn't know the drinking water dripping off the walls. Yeah, part. they said they had to rescue them at night, because if they would have done it during the day, because they, they had, had yeah. Well, because they hadn't seen sunlight in so long, it would have really hurt their eyes. Mm. Yeah, and then they had to be um, kind of isolated from their families because they said there's a lot of animals in the cave that could have gotten them sick. Jeez, so they had to make sure that they weren't contaminated or sick before they were reunited with their families. Yeah, that's this is tragic. I, I do feel, I feel really... I don't know. I, I mean, I feel really bad for them, not just because they had this, like, you know, really traumatizing experience, but because of, like, the aftermath, like, they're probably going to need all this therapy and all of that, and, yeah, I mean, I'm all, I already have issues with the dark inside my apartment, yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, they're definitely braver than me. I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have had, it, like, a breakdown. Yeah, no, several panic attacks, <laughs> without a doubt. So, for our second In the Know discussion, we're going to be talking about Brett Kavanaugh, who is President Trump's new Supreme Court nominee, who will be replacing, or who has replaced, retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy. And so, I guess, I mean, y'all have probably seen this circulating as well, but just trying to really figure out what we think of him. So not the fact that he is replacing Justice Kennedy. Like, I know that there have been lots of conversations about Roe versus Wade and how, you know, afraid we are of the possibility that they could repeal that. But also, according to Huffington Post, though last week, more than 200 students, staff members, and alumni of Yale Law School signed an open letter calling for the institution to rescind its apparent support for Kavanaugh. The open letter to Yale argued that Trump's nomination of Kavanaugh is the president's way of overturning Roe versus Wade and making abortions illegal. The letter pointed to a dissent penned by Kavanaugh in which the judge denied an undocumented teen the right to seek an abortion while in federal custody in Texas. It also highlighted another dissent written by Kavanaugh that argued the Affordable Care Act's contraceptive mandate violated the rights of religious organizations, even though those organizations were granted an accommodation that allowed them to opt out of contraceptive coverage. The letter's authors said Kavanaugh's past opinions give us great concern that he will consistently prioritize the beliefs of third parties over the oppressed, including in cases involving abortion and contraception and medical care for transgender patients. So, I mean, I think that everybody is kind of on the same page about how fearful we are of Roe versus Wade being overturned. Um, I don't really think that the reality of that possibility has set in for me, Mm -hmm. just because I'm like, what? That's so backward. How could we do that? You know, especially claiming to be, you know, this super power in this, like, super progressive country. Like, that would be taking us back literally decades and I I mean there's just something in my something that like intuitively is preventing me from kind of seeing the perspective of like pro-lifers like I don't and so I guess maybe with that like that 
I mean, given like your previous or former beliefs, yeah, that yeah. could be something that you know we could add to this conversation because I'm just like, how do you not think that it's reasonable to allow someone the choice? Like, I, if I choose not to do it, then fine, yeah. I'm choosing. But then if I choose to do it, I should be allowed that choice. So you're. And, and, and also, I think that what confuses me is the fact that this comes from conservatives. Conservatives who believe that the government should have yeah. as little influence over people as possible. Like, as little involvement. And yet, you, like, imposing these constraints are exactly that. Like, you are mandating that people not be allowed to do this. Which we talked about beforehand. And, like, I've heard some people, um, I can't remember the woman's name but some government official was being interviewed and was talking about her own experiences with abortion and how, you know, she did it, I guess, during like the 60s or or 70s at a time when, you know, like actual, like legal facilities were not available. So she went to like a back alley type thing. And, you know, she was saying that she's fearful that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it's not going to be that people don't get abortions. It's going to be that they take like really sketchy routes to do it. Yeah. So are we actually concerned about people's health or not? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think one of the, there's like central points of arguments for Republicans and one of them is the pro-life stance. And so I, you know, I went to a uh, Baptist university and we had to take a Christian ethics class. For undergrad. For undergrad. And in the Christian ethics class, we had to choose debates. And so, you know, same-sex marriage, but one of the, 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 one of the most common debates people chose was abortion. Mm. And so hearing the, the reasons why people were pro-life is that they, they pull on, um, and I'm not saying that it's not hypocritical to just choose several um, Bible verses that fit your beliefs in one instance but not in another, But um, so breaking it down, it'd be they pull on verses that say that, you know, one, they pull on Cain and Abel and saying that, you know, God held, it was two brothers who one of the brother murdered the other. And when God was asking one of the, the the brother who murdered his brother, he was like, where's your brother? And he's like, am I my brother's keeper? And so like that in that story, the moral is like you are responsible for other people. And if you commit murder, their blood is on your hands. And so then people additionally pull on verses in the New Testament where people talk about how um, you are responsible for those Wait, around what? you. That's the interpretation that people that's are That's one interpretation. Yes. Well, that's one interpretation that people pull in the pro-life argument to say that um, God holds you accountable for the murder of people. And like, and you know, you hear people say abortion is murder. Abortion is yeah, murder. Yeah, but it's so they're not taking from that that he murdered his brother. Now, well, so it's that you're the murderer yourself, and so you are responsible. They're, they're saying in allowing a, in allowing a government to enact abortions, even though you yourself are not getting an abortion, you are a quote unquote stand. You are standing by when other people are getting abortions. So therefore, you are doing nothing when someone is being murdered. And in that, you are also held responsible for that baby's murder. 
It's the extreme position. So everyone in the world. Yeah, I guess for for you talking about the United States, everybody in the country. Yes. So as a Christian, you are being held. It is your duty and your obligation to not allow the murder of that child to happen because you are going to have to be held accountable to God for being in a for not stopping it. So I wonder why none of them are supporters or not none. I don't know why so few of them conservatives are supporters of Black Lives Matter. With that same I mean, line of thinking. No. But anyways. Or even of the immigration, the children of like, you know, if, if all lives, if the whole thing is like they're saying that that life matters, but yeah. like if that life matters, isn't the life of a child or a 14-year-old child who gets shot by the policeman? Or, yes. It is very hypocritical, which is why I say I think it's, oh, and then cool. also, if you want, if you really want to get literal, like, you know, Catholics, some Catholics don't allow contraceptives because they also take it to the further extreme of like, well, you're murdering future children. Like, if by not allowing the woman and the man to reproduce in the way that God wants them to, you are playing God and keeping keep, keeping future children from being born. And that, in, a, in its own way, is murder. And so, you know, the people... I mean, I don't necessarily believe in that, but that I, that thought process makes sense to me. Every, no, so and that's... The, yeah. yeah, that like I, I mean, I mean, a, a, only there are only a certain number of sperm that can impregnate a woman. So yeah. if there are millions, then I mean, that's yeah, or like it doesn't make sense to say um, I'm pro life, but I support the death penalty because it's like if you're saying that the murder of a child is you're going to be held accountable for, then are you not held accountable for the murder of a person? And see, this is why I'm so against categories because I think it I think that they really confuse people right and so a lot of these folks probably support Republicans or conservatism just for the pro-life yes stance. yes yes and not all the other stuff yes but because I'm pro-life and I'm over here because of that I'm over here with the conservatives now I have to support conservatives on all their initiatives and it's like no no you don't like you should be able to Say yes, I agree with y'all on pro life, but all this other fuck shit y'all are doing, yeah, I disagree with. Yeah, you know. No, but some people are. I mean, if you think about it, if someone is telling you if you don't do anything about abortion, you are going to be held responsible for all the millions of babies that are dead. And if that's your belief system, yeah. then you're kind of like, okay, fuck Trump saying grab him by the pussy. Fuck Trump saying all this. If he's going to put a Supreme Court justice, and I swear this happens. Like if he does that, then people are gonna say his presidency was worth it. Like it was, it was worth it for all these terrible other things to happen. If we could get that one thing that's really important to his conservative base, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I think it's if you're not in that mind, if you weren't taught that, if it's, if it's not something that you believe, which is something that I used to believe, I really thought I was I was gonna be held accountable for the deaths of children. And that it was my job to vote and my job to make sure that this policy wasn't, that we made it not only difficult for women to have abortions, but made it illegal so that it wouldn't happen. But then you realize, like, okay, it's just, people are going to do them anyway. Like, it's just, and you're right, you can't just pick and choose and say, okay, fine, separation of church and state, but I want the government to um, regulate this or... I don't want the government, I don't want the schools to teach my kid this, but I do want the government to make sure that this happens. And so, 
like just seeing and seeing the hypocrisy of I'm against the death penalty and seeing okay, well, it doesn't make sense for people who I align with to be so pro-life, but yet don't give a shit about, you know, the death penalty or about seeing how even now if you see the whole immigration, the whole immigration um, separation of children, like you don't see the pro, pro-lifers being like, no, keep the children. It's all about the children. We're, we're going to be held accountable for all the, na- the bad we do. The crazy thing is, is that pro-lifers don't care about the life once it's born. Yes. They just want it to be I mean, born. That's, yeah, because, that's I mean, if you look about, if you look at all the kids that um, are living in poverty, you know, and yet at the same time, these same conservatives are against welfare and are against, like, government yeah. aid. And so it's like, well, you want the kids to be here, but then you don't care about their quality of life after they're here. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, eh, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and I guess that that is the, I guess that's, maybe again one of the um not justifications but one of the things that allow them to not feel compelled to like support not just black lives matter but even this march for our lives like even that you know you still have these like gun-toting conservatives that are against that movement literally kids saying our schools are being shot up our friends are being killed yeah and they're against that yeah and so it's like how can you literally you see people who have, I mean, like, in this, in say, in terms of social media, have in their bios, pro-life, you know, proud gun owner, all of these different like things that are counterintuitive. Yeah, pro-life, like, pro-gun, pro-gun, pro-life police, and pro-gun. Pro-capital murder, yeah. No, um, and that was okay. one, one of the, one of the, the, I mean, to me, the biggest thing that made me leave the, the Republican Party and made me kind of switch to... And I, I don't think I'm like super liberal, but maybe disillusioned was just like it just didn't make sense. A lot mm-hmm. of things didn't make sense, and I just like you said, it really felt like the pro-lifers. I thought it was really about wanting to really caring about life. Life is sacred. Life should be sacred. But then seeing like these same people that are like pro-lifers, you find find out later that they got their mistress's abortions. Or that, like, they are all, you know, they're all about sanctity and whatever. You find out that they're having affairs. And you find yeah, out right? So you have to be, like, you have to, you, like, or you have to believe in the sanctity of marriage in order to believe that your mistress should have an abortion. But yeah. then, can you really believe in the sanctity of marriage if you have a mistress? Yeah, business? it's just, it was, it was too much hypocrisy. And, and that happened recently, too. Yeah, and, like, that. so for me, it's like, maybe I won't get one, or maybe I wouldn't feel comfortable, but that doesn't mean that I think that I should dictate to other people what they can and can't do, because I I have, I know people who've had abortions, and I, and I don't, I've never met someone who had an abortion that was like, yeah, then I went back to work and everything was fine. I never yeah. thought about it again. It didn't fuck up with my, it didn't fuck with my life. I didn't think about it twice. It was fine. Like everyone who I've talked to have told me it was a very difficult decision. It was really heartbreaking. It took me a long time to recover. I don't know if I'll ever get over it. Like it's not just, they act like it's just something that women are just like really. Yeah. And then the, the final frustrating thing is just like, these are all men making decisions. And so if it if it wasn't just these men making decisions about things that will never impact me personally, it's just even that much more frustrating. And so I think that with this nomination, 
it it really is getting to a point where and they they maybe the closest that I've ever seen of getting it overturned, and um, I am expecting all the conservatives to rally more behind Trump and be like, okay, like this is it, this is yeah, this, this is could really, definitely secure him for a second term. Yeah, like this is yes, yes, like this is real. Like he did good. Like look at look at God. Like look at what he did. Like all we had to do was like. And, you know, these are people who aren't personally affected by all his other policies. And so to them, it's like, oh, it was wor- yeah. it, it was worth it. We're able to save all these lives of children. But are you really are you really going to stop people from doing this? I mean, there are laws, there's laws against a lot of things that people still break and do. And, and isn't I mean, isn't one of the big issues, the, one of the big reasons that um, I mean, of course, xenophobia and all these things, but. I think that for a lot of people, a lot of their anti-immigration sentiment comes from fear of overpopulation. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, well, I don't understand. Like, I the the I don't know. It, all of these things are so counterintuitive. Like they just don't make sense. Yeah, they just don't make sense. Like if if you're forcing people, or in the way that you think that you are forcing people to have more babies, more babies that one they can't take that a lot of people can't take care of. Or, you know, I mean, women that are, um, or this argument that if a woman is raped and then she becomes pregnant, it's God's will. Mm-hmm. Like, you're doing all of these things that are, I mean, just so harmful to people and will also increase the population. Yeah. While you are anti-immigrate, are anti-immigration because you don't think that we have enough resources here to support them. Yeah, while you're cutting Obamacare and yeah. cutting welfare and cutting food stamps. So you're cutting the resources that are that will potentially help these children, but also increasing the number of children that would be born to people who may. Because one of the reasons that people get abortions because they can't afford it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not all. They they paint the picture of like this woman who's like doesn't want to lose her figure, and it's like that's not what is that the argument? That's one of the arguments that people use. It's like women are selfish. That that women like one of the it's like they just want to keep you know having casual sex and uh having a baby would stop them from doing that and another okay, first of all <laughs> do they think that women are impregnating themselves <laughs> like i don't understand why men are just absent from this conversation like okay. what about all the absentee fathers like so that would force the woman to raise a child that maybe potentially the man does not want so yeah. she would have to raise the child on her own yeah And with all these resources that y'all are snatching, and the men are completely absent from this conversation. There's no conversation about what the fathers are doing or what the fathers are believing. Or the fact that a lot of fathers even force women, force their hand and force women into abortions by saying that, I'm not going to take care of you. I won't be involved. So you can keep the baby if you want, but I won't be there. Yeah. Or if you want an abortion, I'll pay for it. Just like, oh boy, I can't remember his name, whatever they, I think he's, was he in um, Trump's administration? Or one of these administrators who, like, you're talking about paid for his mistress to get an abortion and they dug that up or whatever. And it's like, what? You're one of them. Yeah. And yet you're a pro-lifer. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just that these narratives and stereotypes that they use about uh, women to make it seem like, and, uh, like, you know, if you hear that and you're not educated and you don't know, then you're like, oh, yeah, that's really selfish. That is not a reason why you should not have a child. So we'll definitely keep an eye on him. It, you know, I'm expecting, I don't know if they're going to try to, they're saying that they're not going to pass, they're not going to 
uh, vote on him until after the midterm elections in November. So hopefully that gives more time for people to vote. So that's why it's really important to vote because, um, you know, Congress can do a lot. Yeah. And so hopefully so y'all need to get y'all picket signs ready. Yes. Yeah. It's gonna be time for some marching. So for people sure. who don't normally vote, like you may think like, well, you know, I live in a red state or yeah. all this. But it's like a lot of reasons why those are red states is because a lot of people, especially younger people, aren't voting. And so if you if you vote, if you actually I mean, population wise, there are more people between the ages of eighteen and twenty four than there are people like fifty to and above. So if we all, if everyone just votes, um, then we can really shift and yeah. we can really address and make some changes. But definitely something to watch out for. Something we'll probably keep talking about. Yeah. But I think we should have like a midterms election, a midterm elections episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll do, we'll definitely do that for our listeners. So that I know sometimes it's really hard to know who's on your side and who's okay and who. Who would vote for what? Who would do that? So we'll definitely do a recap as we get closer to November. Um, so look out for that episode, and uh, hopefully that that could be a way that we can contribute to spreading some some more information about what you can do to kind of feel a little less helpless about all the terrible things that we see looming ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, and now on to something equally as trashy, but <laughs> I guess less relevant. We will be talking about hip hop and all y'all's favorite. So I strongly suggest that you wake the fuck up. Okay, so now we are transitioning into our What's Being Slept On for the Week, where we will be discussing hip hop and particularly starting with um, the Nicki Minaj beef with Lana. Yes. Um, And for those of y'all that don't know, this started out um, on Twitter. Yes, and so Juana, who is, she's actually a Nikki fan, but she's a blogger. She's a And Trini, apparently. Yes, yes. And which, you know, for those of you, most of you probably know Nikki is Trini. Um, So she's a hip-hop blogger. And so this all started when she tweeted, you know how dope it would be if Nikki put out mature content? No, No silly shit, just reflection on past relationships, being a boss, hardships, etc., She's touching 40 soon. A new direction is needed. So she just tweeted this. And she, you know, didn't realize that it would turn into a shitstorm because, of course, all the barbs, which is what they called the Nikki fans, um, the stands, yeah, the 12-year-olds, started tagging Nikki on her tweet. And so apparently Nikki didn't take those words too well. And instead of just, like, you know, Nikki in the past has tweeted, retweeted people, so directly saying, like, eat a dick, blah, 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 to people who have been critical. But she actually hopped into her DMs and uh, Juana um, sent, you know, put screenshots because she's like, I know people wouldn't believe me. So you could, like, look them up and read them yourself. And so Nikki said, when your ugly ass was 24, you were pushing 30 I'm 34. I'm turn. I'm touching 40. LOL. And what does that have to do with my music? Eat a dick, you hating ass hoe. And then the funny part was that she came back and then corrected it and said, "Oh, I'm 35." Yeah, yeah. And it's so like, she, yeah. Nikki, how old are you really? Yeah, I know. The world may never know. I know. Um, and so Juana says that after that, she just got started getting all this hate, all these hate tweets, all these messages. 
people started looking at past stuff that she posted. She posted a picture of her kid, and they started saying shit about her kid. She apparently got fired from her internship. And oh, yeah. Because the internship said that Nikki turned out to be, like, a client and that they can't have – they're like, oh, you know, Nikki didn't want you to be fired, but we just, you know, they claimed that – in talking about um, her conversations with Nikki, she violated her non-disclosure agreement. And so just uh, Juana in the end was like, and it, what was crazy is like they made a New York Times article because it was so, it was just so crazy how one, it, it escalated so quickly, but how they're saying that there's this new trend of rappers, entertainers, celebrities, like targeting people and as a result, like, their fan base turns on that person and it turns into cyberbullying and then people post their emails and people post personal information. And so um, I, I like, I read the New York Times article and I saw the tweet and, I, and I've heard people discussing this on other podcasts. You know, one of the podcasts I listen to a lot is The Read and they were talking about it. And I just, you know, I'm, I, I am a Nikki fan. Like, I've... Um, I didn't, I like, I totally agreed with Juana's tweet. Yeah. Because I feel, I really do feel like you have to grow. Yeah. I feel like, you know, even if, I'm not saying you have to like get married and have kids and settle down and talk about this. No. But I do think like in the, what, 10, 15 year span of her career, like, she has gone from, like, being just, you know, signed with cash money to, like, now she's up the fucking, like, biggest, one of the biggest hip-hop stars ever. And so I would expect, and I've seen her have some moments where she does talk about sexism in the industry. She does talk about um, how, uh, why she makes a big deal about being specific about what food that she has in her dressing room because, as a woman, she feels like they try to always uh, make it seem like she deserves less than men. And she wants to make it known <coughs> that she's as big as Wayne. She's as big as Drake. Like, she deserves to for them to treat her the same way. And I think that those things are fair. But, like, when I lately just seeing, like, I don't like the responding to people, um, responding to criticism. And even if she was responding, like, she would, like, eat a dick, you hating as hoe. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't even read the full, like, quote. There was also some other stuff about, like, you know, oh, just mm. be, like, honest about the fact that, you know, I'm, you're jealous because I have money and I'm da-da-da-da. Like, I don't remember all the different adjectives that she used to describe herself. But yeah, I just think that I'm not sure if maybe she's having some kind of identity crisis or what it is. But even a couple weeks ago, she was talking about how she feels bad for women who are, um, I, I can't remember the words that she used, but basically she feels bad for women that are, that are selling sex. Um, oh yeah. yeah and all yeah. of this stuff and like being super judgmental and all of that. And so I think it would be one thing if Nikki came out and said, you know what, I make this music, but these aren't things that I actually believe in. You know, it, these are just lyrics or whatever. But it's like, Nikki, you cannot come out with a song about 
prostit about essential essentially prostitution. Yeah. I mean her song Rich Sex. Yeah, and then literally a few days later talking about bashing women that whose lives you're describing essentially. Yeah. Like what I don't I don't understand. And so maybe you're saying that this is not a lifestyle that you live because you have so much money and all of that stuff. But this is your belief system. And whether you like it or not, because I know Cardi also, you know, had the same, like, um, the same point of view that I didn't ask to be your kid's role model. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Okay, fine. You don't have to be a role model. But then to turn, like, so I'm not saying that because Nikki's fans are clearly, you know, children. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that you need to mother them or you need to be making music about staying in school and, you know, going to college and getting a good job and all these things. No, you don't necessarily have to do that. But this is taking responding to constructive criticism to a whole other level. Like, regardless of whether there were children involved or not, this is degrading. And, like, you, as somebody that is, like, so arrogant and, like, oh, I'm, you know, the baddest bee and all of y'all are my sons and all this stuff, but you feel the need to hop into somebody's DMs who, I mean, is not even remotely, in your opinion, on your level career-wise, like, or status-wise. And you are so offended by the fact that she said that your music was immature that you need to call her ugly and encourage your fans to talk shit about her and her child and all of these things. And then get her fired from her internship. That is wild. That is wild. If you're so about empowering women, like, why is that something that you would support? Yeah. For a tweet to me that seems constructive. Like, yeah. you're making a song about rich sex. And yes, Nikki, you're pushing 40. <laughs> I know. She's like, 35? Is 35 not 40? I'm like, well, if we go by math and if we round up, then yes, 35 is pushing 40. Yeah, and it's like, fine if you want to make that kind of music, but don't act, don't be fake about it. Like, that's not the case. Yeah. Like, that's not the music that you make. No, this is who you are. Yeah. Just embrace it. Like, embrace it. Nobody is. First of all, I was actually thinking, I think I was having a conversation uh, about, like, something similar as far as Beyonce is concerned. And so Beyonce started off, like, very young, making, I would say, pretty mature music. You know, like, no cursing in her music. Oh, yeah. Very few, like, any, uh, there was, like, some hinting about sex, but nothing, like, super explicit. And now that she is in her mid to late 30s, now she's doing all the, like, person in her music, yeah. you know, very explicit sexual references. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody is, Beyonce is um, releasing photo shoot spreads uh-huh. with, in a thong with yeah. her husband. Nobody cares. But you know what Beyonce also isn't doing? Is it like, what? I don't do that. What? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, didn't you hear this song? Didn't you hear that song? Like, I'm no. rich. You're not. You're She's jealous. She's living her yeah. life. Yeah. She's living her life. Beyonce does not care. And it's like, girl, take some notes. Yeah. Honestly, take some notes. Like, this was just disgusting to see. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think Lana had a valid point. I think that, um, I think people need to grow up in their music. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, it, she's like literally making music with like, 19 20 year old and it's because she's able to like she's able to still she she raps about things that the 19 like little pumps the little uzi verts like that all those people are rapping about she's able to have fans that are 13 14 at 35 
because her music isn't really it doesn't age it doesn't age yeah and i'm not, I'm not saying that she can't rap about sex and she can't rap about Drugs whatever yeah but i'm whatever. just saying it's kind of hypocritical to rap about those things and then go go on and do an interview and say that you know people who do that are like passing judgment on yeah. people who have like she's holier than that yeah yeah and stuff. so i don't know i i definitely agreed with juana and uh it kind of brought me to like just kind of a bigger question about okay well what is this beef between nikki and this blogger like telling us and so Abby, do you think like we're expecting too much from hip hop and its artists? Like, in other words, should we really be looking to Nicki Minaj to be mature, to be a role model, to be an activist outside of being an entertainer, or should she just like keep making singles like Chun Li and like <laughs> us not expect anything more than just some music to dance to? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I. I don't know if this opinion, if this is a minority opinion, but I I do think that we should hold artists accountable because at this point, rappers are not just rappers. Like they are in, they are seeped into every aspect of our culture. Like all these endorsements that they have, they're everywhere. You can't escape them. They're actors. They're, you know, they're everywhere. And so I do think that, you know, and they want that, they want that kind of fame and notoriety because it comes with more money. But if, if you're going to opt into that, you have to opt into, I think that you have to opt into it all across the board. You can't just be like, oh, um, I want all of these different roles, but only see me as a rapper. Like, see, you know, have this really like, um, this really like siloed, you know, voice in the world. No, you are, I think, then required to speak up on things. And I think that some I think that maybe it's our generation of rappers that don't want to do that. But I think that previous, like the last generation, I guess, I mean, there's only been like two generations of like hip hop artists. But, you know, before, like they, they were, I think, invested in, in society, yeah. you know, in culture, in, you know, putting out messages and making sure that, you know, they, they started like different foundations, they made scholarships, they, you know, um, I mean, the tech, like even like say Puff Daddy with his like voter die movement, like these yeah. are not, these are and you know um who else who else has like, um I don't know a bunch of people have foundations and stuff like that things that they're doing that are um, good for the community and so it's like you know there I think there's only a handful of rappers who are very resistant to that and are like no this is all I want to be and that's it so yeah I don't know I think that. To whom much is given, much is expected. You know, so you mm-hmm. can't just be sitting back like, yeah, I want all of these things, but then don't come to me about all this other nonsense I'm spewing. No, you're going to be held accountable on both ends. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, Nikki does, like, give out money to people. She does. She, she, if she only put herself in the, the little pumps or the... <laughs> Like, I, I'm making money for me. I'm making money for my chains. I'm making money so I can get rich. Like, it's just me having a party. If she only did that, then I'd be like, fine. Like, that's what she does. But, like, every once in a while, she'll make it seem like she's about, you know, helping other women. She's about, you know, she'll go on Ellen and, yeah. like, you know, talk to little girls who want to be like her. And she'll – and so it's, it's just kind of like – 
it's I'm just so confused as to like it's it's like she's there she's like doing half naked mermaid on her video and then she's like on Ellen talking to like six year olds. I just yeah. I I just don't I don't know. And I, I think that what I do is like I compare Nikki to people who have been rapping as long as her or are at the same level and I'm like, okay, well I look at like for example Nas. Like Nas was doing music, didn't do music for a while, just came back with his his album. I listened to it and in that album he's talking about police brutality, he's talking about poverty, he's talking about he's just like he's talking about real shit. So you you, you listen to it and you're like, Oh damn, Nas grew up. Like Nas is isn't just, you know, the the same person that he was twenty years or however long years ago, he's actually talking about relevant shit, shit that really hits, like sh- shit that like I can relate to. And so I look at that and I'm like, well, then why why can't like Nikki do that in her music? That's too? why they didn't work out. <laughs> I, I just just like you know, I want the the um, she's had songs where like I get down to and I'm like, yeah, like it makes me feel like I can do everything. Like it makes me feel like, you know, I can go out. This is a really good party song. But I also want songs from her that make me feel like, OK, like Nikki gets it. Nikki, like even though she's really famous, she's really rich. She understands what it's like to be a minority. She understands what it's like to be a woman of color. She understands what it's like. And so like hearing and then hearing that she in interviews in uh, just I've heard her say things that I'm like, yes, like highlight this. Like you're a powerful woman and you talk about how hard it was to get there. You talk about how you, you, you know, you had to work your way up. You talk about how you had to, you know, be sexualized initially by the men that you worked with and all this stuff. And now you're like more in control of your sexuality, but she doesn't, she comes like her new album. It's, and although her stands, she, say that she does talk about these things in her album but and she just she says she does too apparently she listed all these songs yeah like, oh you must not have heard this, this yeah this. yeah so i don't know i i also feel that like if nikki were not trying to be like i'm about kids i'm about women i'm about you know bosses i'm about all these things and i wouldn't wouldn't hold her to a much higher standard but because she does those things and she tries to integrate herself, like, she gives back to the community, like, she's one of us, like, she cares about us, like, she loves us as fans, she really wants to, like, if she didn't do all that stuff, then maybe I'd give her a pass, but I think, like, you can't do both. You can't, like, want to be perceived as this person who is giving a lot, who's doing a lot, who's helping a lot, who's empowering and then also do child, I, what I would call childish stuff. Like, I mean, like, people have left us comments, and I don't go and be like, eat a, eat a dick, ho. You're not going to tell me, <laughs> like, that this comment is stupid. Like, people have straight up called our comments stupid, have called us stupid. Yeah. And, like, I don't, I'm just like, eh, you, you yeah. got to, like, move along. But she's so Especially rich. Especially when you're at that level yeah. and you recognize that you your anger can um, propel your fans to attack. Yeah, yeah. Like, your fans, like, they were emailing this woman, mm-hmm. like, to Terrible her things. job email. Yeah. And just talking about her, talking about her child. Yeah. You know, and I think that what, what, it, what I think that it is with Nikki is that she wants to do it on her terms. So if she decides she wakes up today and is like, you know what, this week, I want to be empowering to women. And then she's going to do it. She does not want people to have that expectation of her. Yeah. She doesn't want people to be calling her out on it. And then, I mean, 
And it's not like we have this expectation of all women in the industry. Like, nobody is, like, pushing Lil' Kim or pushing Trina to do something different. Because they don't talk about it. Yeah. They don't talk about it. They don't pretend to, they don't put on this, you know, fake woke hat like Nikki yeah. does. And it's yeah. like, no, if if you don't want that, then just don't do it. Don't don't claim it. And then we won't hold you to that, that standard. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, just, like, continuing this conversation... I, I heard someone talk about how um, this beef or this clap back from Nikki to the blogger highlighted, like, class issues. And so one of the points that someone made was that Nikki may, may be too rich um, to remember what it's like to be a minority. And I've heard people make this about Kanye. I've heard people make this about different artists. Um, even like athletes and stuff. And so although Juana and Nikki are both black women and women of color, um, do you think that the money has clouded Nikki's like memory of what it's like to be up and coming or what it's like? Cause this woman is like a blogger. Like she's, she's trying to get break into the entertainment industry. And uh, do you think that maybe she's Nikki reacts in this way because she's just like so used to being like so rich, so famous, so popular, so in charge that she's just she's living in a reality that we none of us can relate to anymore. I do think that she's living in a different reality than a lot of us, but I don't think it has anything to do with class. I think it's that she's probably on drugs. <laughs> I mean, like, and not even to be funny, but like I've heard other people talking about that and like. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of stuff going around that, like, oh, Nikki is, like, you know, she's been heavy on drugs, like, you know, these last couple of years. Um, and so I don't obviously know that 100% to be true, but this seems kind of strange, mm. you know? And I mean, also, like like you said, you brought up Kanye, and we had that episode where we were talking about the whole, or those two episodes talking about the whole consciousness. And similarly, I mean, I don't know if Kanye is on, like, street drugs, but... You know, he's got his own issues and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that there are a lot of, um, so not to do pseudoscience here, but I think that there are a lot of things, like a lot of behaviors that seem manic that are derived from, like, other things, you mm-hmm. know? So you can do, I don't know, what what's the name for street drugs? How do I differentiate street drugs from prescriptions? I don't know. Whatever. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. There are certain street drugs that I think can you know, result in kind of manic-like symptoms um, in the same way that, say, like, some mental disorder could. Um, and I don't know. It seems like this is kind of like a, like a lot of her comments lately have been really just out of nowhere and just unnecessarily trollish. Because that's trolling. Yeah. Like, you hop yeah. in somebody's DMs and call them ugly and a hoe. Yeah. You're a troll. And I feel like she's too... She's way too, like, and then also it's like, I, so certain celebrities do it and you'll see this Shea Room posted, like, you know, this like snap, what do they call it? Uh, is it snap? Something, some kind of comeback where, oh, clap back. Clap back. There you go. I don't know why I want to say snap back. It's like when you get back in shape. (laughs) Yeah, but clap back. So the Shea Room will talk about it when they clap back in the comments. And so I think that celebrities are doing that, like, as a, you know, to make a, to make a show out of. You know, out of embarrassing somebody. But Nikki went in her DMs. So she wasn't even looking for, like, yeah, you got on her head. Like, she was really looking to, like, degrade this woman and make yeah. her sad. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, I mean, that's yeah. the goal there. That seems strange to me. Yeah. Very yeah. unusual. 
Okay. And then what I also heard some people talk about is, like, does this clapback or this beef between Nikki and this woman kind of highlight the lack of support among women of color in general or specifically among black women? And so just are we harder amongst ourselves? And, you know, you and I were talking about just beyond personal experiences, but, like, what we see in – entertainment and on the news and the beef that they always put between Cardi and Nikki and Nikki and everyone else. And it's like, we were talking about the, what is it like a metaphor story? Just about like the, the crabs in a barrel and how like, you know, you never see crabs getting out of the barrel because when one tries to, to make itself out, to get itself out, the other crabs will pull it back in. So kind of just being like, there isn't a lot of, at times, there isn't a lot of support among certain communities. And so do you think that this clapback is a good example of the lack of support among women of color? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that, I don't know, I think that there are a lot of internal issues within the black community. Um, And I think particularly among black women, in that it seems like it's really difficult for some black women to be supportive of others. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like it's easier or more second nature to tear them down or to nitpick and to find something negative to say than to, you know, you know, like just be encouraging and just like really um, boost somebody's like esteem you know and to you know be I don't know like to just be like a like there's I don't know it's it's crazy because there is this notion of like sisterhood among black women right but it's one of those like you know have you heard the the saying of how like I can be mean to my sibling but nobody else yeah so like that where it's like okay when it comes to outsiders yeah we're gonna stand together and we are strong but when it comes to us you know, an internal kind of, like, conflict. It's like, no, we, all of that sisterhood just falls to the wayside, it seems. You know, and obviously this is not, you know, I'm generalizing, this is not all black women, um, but I have seen it a lot in the media um, recently. And, I mean, even just growing up, you know, yeah. like in college and stuff like that, there's a lot of beefs, there's the whole, like, beef in terms of like complexion and all of that yeah. so yeah I don't know I don't know but I do think that it is a symptom of that yeah yeah no I and we were talking about this in preparation for this episode and and we talk about you know because um we both you know follow the shade room and mm-hmm. one of my favorite things is looking at the comments yeah. because that's it, that's yeah. where like shit goes down yeah and yeah so, i find the comments because and i think it's because the reason that i read i think one of the reasons that i read the comments is because i live in an echo chamber like for the most part oh. my friends and stuff think similarly to, to the way that i do like there there obviously are going to be differences but for the most part i hear the same you know ways of thinking day in and day out so to see comments and be like oh there are people in the world that think like, not even in the world, there are people in my community yeah. that think like this. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I'm like, what? Oh. Are you serious? But that's you know, more, I mean, that's, I just, I like going for the mess. I like, like, oh. reading. <laughs> and so yeah. one of the things we were talking about is, you know, Gabrielle Union talking yeah. about um, 
how she, you know, one day asked her sons, um, you know, to show her, like, ten girls that they liked on Instagram. And she realized that they were all the same girl, like, light-skinned, big boobs, big butt, like, long hair. Um, and how she asked them, okay, now show me, like, chocolate you know, girls or girls with darker complexion, and they were like, oh, there aren't any. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of, like, highlighting how she, like, that moment for her and what it meant, um, kind of, like, reflective of, like, man, it re- like, that's really the message that we're conveying not only to boys but also to girls is that this is a certain uh, beauty. This is the type of beauty that you should, you know, look for. And so you were talking about how you were looking at the comments mm-hmm. and, Similar to that, there was, like, uh, uh, another thread of, I don't know if you saw this, but, like, Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. was, like, partying in Italy, and he's partying in Europe. Mm-hmm. They caught him in France, and they caught him in Italy. Mm-hmm. And so they showed a picture of him with, in the comments, people were arguing that she was black, people were arguing that she wasn't black, because she was, like, complected. But and they so, already, people have already been saying, like, didn't that, they already say it? Maybe there was something like And that's what people, people are, 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 and so. Why are you saying? talking about that and so in the comments people were like it starts off with attacking michael b jordan and then it goes into attacking each other and so one of the things that Mm -hmm. what i did notice is that all like the people who had avatars that were black men kept saying like gosh like black women are just always hating on other black women Black women are always and yet these black these same black men instigate these arguments and they yeah instigate these conflicts and so I was just kind of like I it was just really interesting for me to see that and to kind of just ask myself like okay is there is there do we see this in the Latino community like do I see this among like Latinas and then just from my personal experience um, I don't know if I see it so much on on Instagram or among celebrities but in my personal experience sometimes I feel like. I've had accomplishments or, you know, it most often is highlighted through my mom because, you know, I'm, I'm in school. So everyone around me, like, where are the Latinas in school? Like, it's just like, I'm sometimes one of the only, only Latinas in the room. So, uh, this is really highlighted with my mom. And so my mom talks about how she talks to her friends and her friends, uh, she's telling her friends, you know, that I'm getting a PhD, that I'm going to be a doctor. And then her friends will say, well, no, she's not really a doctor because a doctor gives prescriptions. Like, you shouldn't say that. And, yeah, and so <laughs> my mom is just kind of like, she tells me that, and that's when she told me the story about the crabs and, like, just to be careful because, you know, sometimes even your own community. And, and I just remember, like, even telling her, uh, you know, just – bringing up like you know I got published like just you know she'd be like oh my my daughter got something published and they'd be like well did she get paid and yeah and it's just kind of like I don't think that they really want me to fail but it's like every it seems like it's so much easier to criticize and to like take you down a peg and to like check you in some way than it is to be supportive and that is when I was reading that when we were talking about this, about, like, you know, mm-hmm. although this is two black women, I was like, you know, and my mom's friends are all Latinas, and they all, you know, they're all immigrants. They all have children here, and they all want to have children who are successful. But, like, in that moment when my mom was trying to, like, be bring something positive about, like, isn't this great that my daughter's doing this, their initial response is well, this is why it's not that great. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of like, 
I think like sometimes it is we are harder on our amongst ourselves as a community and we're already get so much shit from like non from like non people of color. So to have it from our own community sometimes feels really and so I'm just like imagining Juana and imagining like even beyond this being Nikki, like such a famous person, like another black woman just like attacking me, a black woman, like I just can't imagine, like, it just must be really frustrating. Yeah, I think that there's something really deeply psychological about it. Because, yeah. I, I, again, I, I think I was telling you before that I don't even think that people themselves realize when they're doing it. Because it's not necessarily saying something outright negative. It's just, yeah. like you said, knocking this person down a peg, highlighting yeah. the ways that what they're doing isn't that great yeah. or could have been better. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they're doing this. But, yeah, it could have been better if she was getting paid. Or it could have been better if she was if she could give me drugs or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know? And it's like, you know, and I think that that's kind of what led Nikki to slide in her DMs. It's like, oh, this girl thinks she's all big and bad, so big and bad that she can criticize me. Well, let me knock her down a peg, you yeah. know? And, and I don't, I mean, that, I think, obviously the underlying agent there is like an insecurity right mm-hmm. but everybody has insecurities yeah. and so it's like how do you how do you resolve that that tension how do you recognize that two things can be true that person can be awesome and you can still be awesome it's not that person's awesomeness taking away from yours yeah you know um and so I don't I don't know how we do that I mean I guess just more conversation and more talking to the daughters in our community yeah and letting yeah. them know that you can still be great and she can be great and y'all yeah. can be great together Yeah, and, you know, genuinely encourage one another and be open and receptive to constructive criticism because, you know, it, this is not an opinion, an isolated opinion. This woman doesn't live in a vacuum. Yeah. Like, she, where is she, wherever these thoughts came from, I'm sure there are tons of others. Like, there are tons of other potential or former Nikki stands or fans that probably don't listen to her music anymore because they've aged out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, I mean, it, there's a choice to be made there. Like, there's growth. There's always growth that can happen. There's always space for growth. Even, like, you know, like, if, if we want to keep using, like, say, Beyonce um, and Jay-Z as examples, like, their music is aged with them. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and a lot of people, I think, um, couldn't do that. Couldn't Their music couldn't do that, and so they retired or whatever. Or they, tons of rappers talk about how, like, if you can't, if your music can't age, then you you die off. Yeah, like or you like actually become irrelevant. Or like Jake Cole says, you end up on Love and Hip Hop. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so it, it's like Nikki is, I guess, offended that this woman, you know, put out this put out this opinion, but she isn't alone. Like there are tons yeah. of opinions out there like this, and there are literally people whose job is to review CD albums, yeah. review. Like, you can't run from it. Those, yeah. those, um, those, uh, what do you call that? Um, her rankings, or what do you call it? Yeah, what, what? like her wherever her um, music sits on the Billboard. Uh-huh. Is yeah, I think it's rankings. Ranking? Yeah. yeah, like those those rankings. Like that's pretty evident in the yeah. rankings. It's yeah, like, clearly, you're, something you're doing isn't working because yeah. people aren't listening to your music. 
Yeah. Like, so your 12-year-old stands and stuff like that, they can follow you on Twitter, they can follow you on Instagram and come to your defense all the time. But guess who's paying for their title subscription, their Apple Music yeah. subscription, all of these subscriptions, or not paying for it. Yeah. Their like, parents. Yes. <laughs> and they, so that's why you don't have nobody listening to your music. Yeah, because they, they're not buying it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they can't get a subscription because their parents are like, you want to listen to who? <laughs> no. And so the final question that I wanted us to talk about in this um, episode um, more geared towards like just hip hop in general. And so as I was, you know, reading through the articles and listening to what people were saying about this beef between Nikki and Juana, I was just like, you know, I was taking a step back and I was like, does my hip hop have to be woke? Like, can I listen to Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, but also enjoy Nicki Minaj, Yo Gotti, and ASAP Berg? And so it's something that I, I wanted us to like, conclude this episode with just because, like, in the larger scheme of, of things, it's like, you know, maybe it's okay for me to listen to Nicki, but also, like, she's my, like, get lit music. She's my, like, getting ready to go out music. She's my, like, workout music. But then maybe I have... I rely on Kendra, Cole, and Jay-Z to be able to give me some more, like, and Nas to be able to give me some more, like, soul food, like, food for my soul. And so do you think, like, hip-hop has to be woke? Like, is it okay to have, and I keep using him, but that's because, I don't know why he's in my mind. I think it's just I saw that he bought a new chain, Lil Pump, and it's like, you know, he literally makes music about nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, is it okay to have people like that? Because maybe hip hop doesn't have to be woke. Maybe it's like that's not what hip hop is. It started off as like party music. And so, yeah. do you think that it's okay to have non woke music? But see, even that is not true. Like if you think about like African Bambada, right? So the like the original um, rappers were rapping about about. Uh, their lived experiences, right? So even NWA, like, mm. all of those things, that that was, like, conscious rap. Yeah. And that's where it came from. Um, but then you had people that came along, like, Dougie Fresh, um, uh, what's old boy, who I, his name I can't think of with the clock. Uh-huh. That person. Oh, uh, Flavor. Flav. Yeah, there you go. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, you know, then you had, you did have those people like, you know, that came along a little bit after, like, uh, around the same time. Um, I think that maybe my fear, like, I think that you should have both, right? So yeah. there's a good balance. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I think that, like, I, I love J. Cole, but his last few albums could not, you cannot play those in the club. Like, you can't. No, you can't. Um, I really want to listen to them. <laughs> but I think that you need both, and I'm not sure if this upcoming generation has both. Mm. Like, all I'm seeing for them is, yeah. like, nonsense and so then it, it makes it seem like i think that when you also also when you have that balance like so you have like say um say wayne right all he's rapping about are drugs yeah in women and so if that's all you see like or when i was in high school if that was all i had to listen to i might have thought that that was real life yeah that like oh, this must be how it is because this is what everybody's talking about. Like, yeah. this, like, I'm missing out if I'm not doing that, right? But then if I didn't have somebody on the other side, like, if I didn't have, like, a Jay-Z to balance it out or something like that that lets me know that, like, oh, you know, or a Nas or a Common, like, there's a different side to this, to this, to that life. Yeah. You know, that to that industry. Um, so I think if all you have is little pump to listen to or little this, little that, little that, and they're all talking about the same thing, all talking about Percocets, all talking about yeah. Molly, then 
who do you have to 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 show you that that is not the only way to be cool? Yeah. You know? No, I think that's true, and I think that's a good point. And and then just like I I don't always want to think like yeah. sometimes I really Girl. do just want, like yo goddies rake it up something about it just makes yeah. me feel like. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. Like today, today will be fine. Like I don't always, you know, I have my reality TV. I love my housewives. Like I, I sometimes I just like really just want to just be entertained. Yeah. And so I think you have a. I think your point is important that like, you know, wherever Nikki falls for you, wherever it is, like, you know, maybe she is in your non woke pile or whatever. But I, I think like. We, we really just got, as we age ourselves, like, I, th- I don't, I think something's wrong if you're still listening to the same music that you listened to when you were, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. It's and if like, your first, in your last album, sound is sweet. Yes. And so, I think, you know, the, the issue we wanted to highlight here is, like, you know, what happens when a celebrity goes too far into not taking criticism well and not supporting other women and uh, not... I don't know, just, uh, you know, it's so easy to cyberbully, and it's so, and I think that in the age of social media, celebrities have a certain power that they didn't mm-hmm. used to have before, and so I think that we do need to hold celebrities accountable. I mean, take Kanye. Like, you, even if you don't want to, to be a role model, even if you don't want to be someone who's like, yeah, well, my ideas are for me. I'm a creative. This is just, you know, this is just the process. It's like, yes, but you can't escape the fact that your creative process and your ideas and what you say have consequences for like millions of people, mm-hmm. for thousands of fans. And that so, don't have your money and yes, your network and your yeah, connections and all that yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, and don't have the ability to say, oh, like, well, this is Nikki as an entertainer. Maybe this yeah. isn't Nikki at home. Maybe this isn't Nikki and aunt. Maybe this isn't Nikki the daughter. It's like people literally think that like that Nikki is the, the Nikki that they should be all twenty four seven, and that Nikki is only possible because she's a millionaire, because she does this for a living, because she has made a career out of being that way. And in the real world, that Nikki is not realistic. Yeah. So she needs to take a note from her ex because oh, he, yeah, 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 like he. I was so impressed with him, like getting out, like so. Jay Z helped. To you know, expedite him getting out of out of jail. Yeah, he recognized that, and he recognized that everybody doesn't have that yeah. level of access. Yeah, and so what is he doing now? Advocating yeah. for prison reform because he sees that his experience is not the norm. Yeah, it is unique. She does not recognize that. Yeah. Like Nikki thinks that she's just like everybody. No, you know good and well <laughs> you 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 have the ability to get this woman fired. Mm-hmm. She can't do that for you. Yeah. She cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's wild to me that it's like you recognize that you have that level of, or I don't know if she does. I don't know if she's oblivious, but it's like to have that level of pull and to still be okay bashing this woman online. Yeah. Like that takes cyberbullying to a whole other level. Yeah. And and it's dangerous because they were bringing in her family. They got her fired. They were using her her work. Black Twitter is crazy. Like these people should be PIs. Like they find (laughs) people's address. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, we just wanted to just have a, a more casual conversation about, 
something in social media that we thought had like larger implications, not only about hip hop, not only about solidarity among women of color, but also about like the consciousness of music and whether maybe it's us, like maybe we're putting too much on this one person and we should be more reflective about what it is that we need to do and what it is that society as a whole, like is society enabling for Nikki to be able to just like get someone fired and like, have a following of people just torment someone and then move on and then yeah. not not think think twice about the fact that this woman she said like I think she said in the article she has to go to th- like she's contemplating going to therapy like this woman has been traumatized yeah. and so and they don't even care it's no. like that was just a day's work yeah so we just we need just need to be more responsible with it um so if you have any questions if you have any feedback any comments as always feel free to email us at woke.ishpodcast at gmail.com also follow us on instagram at wokeishpodcast you can send us a message in our dms or just uh like our videos or drop us a comment we also have a youtube channel and available on lots of other outlets you can also follow us on twitter at wokeishpod Yes. Um, And so we uh, are wrapping up this episode. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.